Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. How is it that you would describe yourself? That is, what are you? If you answer biblically, you would have to answer this way. I am a slave. That's for certain. The only thing that's in question is this. To whom are you a slave? And there's only two possibilities. You are either a slave to unrighteousness, which means your master is the devil. Or you are a slave to righteousness, and that means your master is Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ. So ask yourselves again, who do I belong to? Am I in a covenantal relationship with God through the perfect work of Messiah Yeshua that has redeemed me and caused me to be a new creation? Well, take out your Bible. And look with me, if you would, to the book of Romans and chapter 6. The book of Romans and chapter 6. Now, we see that Paul begins where we left off last week in verse 12, and he says, therefore. Now, we have to ask ourselves, what has he just said? In the previous verse, he's revealed something. For one who's in that covenantal relationship, that is, a follower, a disciple, a believer in the gospel. He tells us in its command, he says, consider yourself dead to sin, but made alive in and through Messiah Yeshua, whereby he now becomes the master of your life. And therefore, it's going to be his will, his purposes, his objectives, which you become committed to. So because of this new condition, he says once more in verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin rule. And this is the word where we get the noun king from. So we could say, don't let sin be the king of your life. That's where most people are. They are submitting to sinfulness. And we know something. Until one receives that gospel message, he is in bondage and of his own power, through his own intellect and knowledge, he cannot change that situation. He will be a servant and a slave of unrighteousness, his master being the devil, until he dies, and then he will receive the eternal punishment of such an enslavement. But we, through the grace of God, through faith, because of what Yeshua did in our behalf, that he went to the cross, he laid down his life, he shed his blood, and therefore that blood, how precious. Through that blood, we experience eternal redemption. That means that we become an eternal possession 
and praise God for this, an eternal possession of the Lord Messiah. Having an eternal relationship with God the Father and the sure promise, this undeniable hope of being in the kingdom of God. All of this is because we simply receive freely this gift of God through faith. He did it all. We are simply the recipients. But when we receive that, everything is going to be different. Everything is going to be new, that is, kingdom-like. So he says, verse 12, Therefore, do not allow sin to reign in death in your bodies for the obedience to it, meaning don't let sin, which is connected to death, rule, reign, have lordship over your life in order that you obey, and notice the consequences he says here, in order that you obey it, meaning obeying sin in its desires. This is not what a child of God does. This is not the experience of a true believer. We do not have a connection with sin. But we have been set free of sin. We're going to see a very important word is liberty. Liberty in the biblical language speaks of a new authority that is given to us whereby we find through this authority that we have been set free from this bondage of sin in order that we can become, and this is a wonderful thing, being a slave of righteousness. Look on now to verse 13. He says, And do not submit. And this word means to yield. In its most natural meaning, it means to present something. So we could translate it this way. And do not present your parts. Now it's talking about your body parts, your organs, your, your very being. He says, do not present your parts. And then notice this next word. It is literally the word for weapons. And what does this tell us? Well, Paul's going to use language here that teaches us that we are in a spiritual battle. Let me say it another way. We are in the midst of warfare. Now, many Bibles, they translate this word simply by the term instruments. But it's not instruments in the normal sense of just some type of apparatus or such. It is specifically a weapon of war. So he commands us here, look again at verse 15, and do not present your parts, weapons of unrighteousness to sin. So we see this connection between unrighteousness and sin and ultimately it all leads to one destination, and that is death. Eternal death, which is related to the eternal consequences of sin. And that means eternal condemnation. Then he says, look at the second part of verse 13. But, and this means in contrast to this, but rather we could say, you have presented yourselves unto God. Now, remember. He is speaking here to believers, this congregation in Rome, a congregation of followers of Messiah. 
that have received that gospel message. And therefore, he says, but you're different. You're no longer that slave to sin. You're not connected to the devil that you should obey him any longer. But you have, he says, verse 13, second part, but you have presented yourselves to God as from death, meaning that was your old condition. You were spiritually dead. And he's going to make a contrast in this passage between death. Now, humanity today, you may say, I'm alive, but spiritually, you're dead. And your, your behavior testifies of death because it's going to be rooted in sin. You say, well, I'm, I'm not serving sin. I'm just going about my business. Unregenerated, meaning having not experienced the grace of God, your business will be a sinful business. Your character will be, in God's eyes, unrighteous. And therefore, we need that transformation, that change, that only comes through receiving the gospel. And that gospel gives us not only new life, but a new perspective for life, where we become committed to the purposes of God. So he says in verse 13, as from dead, now he says, being alive and your parts, these same parts because of this new life that's been given to you by God freely, you now become, he says, your parts, weapons, that same word, weapons of unrighteousness, not for sin, but to God. Now, if you pay attention to the, the text here, we see a, a parallelism between to sin or to God. What does that mean? There's simply two possibilities. Your life is either going to be serving sin or your life is going to be serving God. That's the only two possibilities. When you say, no, I'm just going to go my way, you may not know it. You may not confess it. You may deny it, but you're wrong. When you're doing your will, you're doing the devil's will. He has deceived you. You have been misled. You have been made to go off the path, astray. And therefore, we need one solution. And notice what he says in verse 14. He says, for sin. And then he has not the word for being king or ruling or reigning, but he does indeed have this word Lord in a verbal form, which means simply, for sin should not have lordship over you. For you are not under the law. Now, there's been a lot of discussion about that term, under the law. What does it mean? Under speaks about authority. Under something means you're under the authority. No longer are we under the authority of the law. Now, that also has implication. Not being under means not under its punishment, not under its judgment. But he says, look carefully at verse 14. For sin should not reign over you, being master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Now, what happens is this. 
when we are under the authority of the law, it's judgment. What's going to happen? Well, he's already told us. When we hear, thou shall not, our, our passions, our carnal nature says, yes, I will. Because our nature in its natural condition is rebellious. Therefore, when God says, you shall, we say, no, we won't. And when he says, don't do this, we say defiantly, yes, we will. Why? Because in our natural state, how we're born, we are rebellious. Therefore, the law, the Torah, the commandments of God, as Paul says, it, it gives life to this carnal nature. It makes it alive. It's always there. It's always functioning, but it, it's empowered by that because we don't like to be told no. Therefore, we find something. God changes us. But the instrument, that element that brings about change is what? God's grace. Now, here's the thing that people don't understand. And that is, it's grace that is going to rule my life, that is going to be the authority of my life, and grace is going to change me totally where no longer am I rebellious. That's not my heart condition. That's not my nature. I am no longer defiant to the things of God. But I've experienced God's grace. That grace also gives me a, an experience. What type of experience? For the first time. Now, God's always loved me. But for the first time through the grace of God, I can become a recipient of his love. And knowing God's love because he first loved me, I'm going to demonstrate. That's my new nature, my new condition, my new objective. I'm going to demonstrate love for him, which is going to be not to rebel and be punished by the law. That punishment has already been given. I've been set free. It's no longer ruling over me this punishment of the law. But now I'm going to, and we're going to see this in chapter 7, I'm going to serve through the newness of the Spirit that the righteousness of that law, the purpose of the law, is going to be now fulfilled in me. So it's not that I'm against the law as a believer. I become someone who, under the leadership of grace, fulfills the righteousness of the law. That's what Paul says, and we'll encounter that in Romans chapter 8, verse 4. And we're also going to see in Revelation, or excuse me, Romans chapter 7, verse 6, we're going to see that same thing about in the newness of life. We're going to fulfill the spirit, the intent of the law. Now look at verse, verse 15. He says here, what therefore? Shall we sin because we're not under the law? Is that what happens? Now, not under the judgment, the punishment of the law. I'm just going to want to violate the law. What does he say? But under grace, I'm under grace. So am I going to continue in sin? Look at how verse 15 ends. He says, let it never be. Let it never be said. Let it never be the experience of someone who's a true believer. That because they're not under the law but under grace, that leads to sinfulness, violating the law. It does not. It leads to obedience. Now, we're going to see that he's already mentioned righteousness. And righteousness, how do I know what righteousness is? Do I define it? No, I do not. What defines for a human being 
the righteousness of God. It's the law. That's why Messiah entered into this world and he was that word that became flesh. He embodied the law. He never transgressed. He never sinned. He never violated it. So his character was that of one who was righteous. And now because his spirit's in me and leads me, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to the call, I'm going to behave. This is his will for me to do the same way. So he says, look at verse 15. Therefore what? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? He says, let it never be. Verse 16. You do not know that to whom, we could say also to what, to whatever you present yourselves to, meaning whatever you yield to, he says, a servant for obedience, meaning this, whatever you present yourself to, you are going to become a slave and you're going to obey that one, that thing, whatever it may be. He says, a slave for obedience. He says, you are slaves to whom or to what you obey. He says, whether it's sin, what does sin lead to? When I'm a, a servant, a slave, and I obey sin, it says, whether to sin, what's the outcome? For death. Now, this is something we see over and over in the text, this, this inherent relationship between sin and death and this is what he's saying here when you become a slave to sin the outcome is going to be the outcome of you obeying sin is going to lead to death eternal death or obedience for righteousness that's the other one and that's what we're called to do so obedience to the things of god lead to righteousness Verse 17, but thanks to God, because you were. Now, this phrase, you were, is in the imperfect. And the imperfect in the Greek language hints to a change coming, a transition. And this is exactly what we're going to see in this passage. Look now to, to verse 17. He says, but thanks to God, because you were slaves of sin. And you obeyed, meaning you changed. There was a transformation. You were, but here's this transition. You were slaves to sin, but you have obeyed from your heart, a new heart condition. You have obeyed from your heart. For, for what? Well, for the one that, that he says that you've been delivered over to. And that is for an example, a pattern of, of, of the doctrine. So he says, you have been delivered over to become a pattern. This word can mean an example. You become a living example, this new condition, because of salvation. You become a new pattern, a new example of, and the word here is doctrine or teaching meaning what the Word of God reveals. We see an inherent relationship between sin and unrighteousness. What's the solution for sin? Redemption. The only, the only solution 
for our sinful condition, redemption. And redemption is going to lead to righteousness. And that's why he says, you have obeyed whom? You've obeyed the gospel, meaning you've obeyed God's plan. And therefore, because of that, you become an example of his teaching. Verse 18. Now, I mentioned to you that in this passage, that freedom and liberty is going to be mentioned. We see that through the gospel, we have been set free from sin, liberated from the power, the bondage of sin. But we no longer are slaves to sin, but we become slaves to righteousness. And notice what he says and how he points this out in a very clear way. Verse 18. But having been liberated, it's in the passive. You didn't do it to yourself. It was done for you in your behalf. Who did it? Messiah through the cross. But being made free, being liberated from sin, the power of sin, the consequences of sin from an eternal perspective. He says, you are slaves. You have become slaves of righteousness. So notice, no longer are you connected to sin. You've been liberated from sin. And what does that make you? Well, look at the end of verse 18. He says, and he uses this, this verb from the word slave, meaning we would have to translate it, you have become a, sla uh, a slave for righteousness. Verse 19. He says, in a human way, according to man, he says, I speak in a human way on account of the weakness of your flesh. They're new believers. They're still weak spiritually because they're still very much connected because of their lack of knowledge to, to the things of this world. So he says, in a human way, according to men, I speak because of the weakness of your flesh. Verse 19, second part. For just as you have presented your parts, going back the third time he's used this example, for just as you have presented that you've yielded your parts, for what? Slaves unto sin and unto lawlessness. This is this word for against the Torah. Lawlessness unto, what does lawlessness lead to? It leads to more lawlessness, and that's why he says, and to lawlessness unto lawlessness. But now there's a change. Thus now, and this is the implication of faith, the implication of being a new creation. He says, but, but now he tells us that, that you yield yourself, you present yourselves, your, your parts, your, your body, in other words, a, as slaves unto righteousness for, what's the objective? For sanctification. Now, what's sanctification? Sanctification is, is rooted in the word holy. In fact, that word sanctification contains the word holy. It's a process where one demonstrates the holiness of God. And we always need to remember that holiness is tied to the purposes of God. So what the scripture is saying is this. You now, in your new condition, now present your, your parts, 
as slaves for righteousness unto sanctification. Verse 20. For when you were slaves, and again, the imperfect you use, so it's speaking about a change coming. For when you were slaves to sin, what was the connection? You were liberated, you were free, you had no connection with righteousness. That's the problem. When you're serving sin, slave to sin, you have no connection, you are separated, you are, are liberated from righteousness. Therefore, what? And he wants us to remember now our, our past experience. Therefore, what fruit did you have then? From or upon the things now you're ashamed of. So he says, you did these things. You had these sinful behaviors, these deeds that you did. What was the outcome of them? What fruit? What did they produce? And now, when you look back at these things as a believer, what do they, they, they bring up in your mind? Shame. You're ashamed of these things. Verse 21, the second part. For the end of such things is what? Death. Once more, sin leads to death. So he says the end, and this word telos in Greek can mean the, the purpose, the purpose of sin. And who leads in sin? The enemy. He wants you to experience death, eternal death. So the outcome, the goal of, of sin, the outcome of such things is death. But in contrast to that, look now to verse 22. But now, having been liberated from sin, you become slaves to God. So you're either going to serve the enemy which is going to mass manifest itself sinfully, or you're going to, to be a slave of righteousness unto God. Last part of verse 22. If that's the condition that you have a, a servant of God, he says you have your fruit for sanctification. You have the evidence, the outcome. Fruit can mean this outcome of, of sanctification that holiness in your life. Why? He says, for the end, the goal of, of this new condition is what? Now, your Bibles will say eternal life, and that's fine. We have, as an outcome, eternal life, but understand this is expressing kingdom life. That's what we have. And he closes up. Look at our last verse, verse 23. For the wages of sin, once again, is death but the gift and it's a free gift but the gift of God what is it eternal life that kingdom life we find it in Messiah that means in a covenantal relationship with him in Messiah Yeshua and who is Messiah Yeshua for us he is our Lord the one we serve the one we love the one we we demonstrate is indeed the master of our life because his will becomes our will and when that's a reality for you you are going to know that joy that peace that contentment that is an element of just eternal thanksgiving unto god well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others 
Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.